Come on, let's give Jesus an ovation of worship right now. Come on. Shout it for the king of the world. Come on. Raise the roof off the room. Hey, man. Man. I got to tell you. All right. Hug somebody. Make it weird. Hug somebody. Tell them I love you. I'm glad you're here. Hug them. Get, get weird. Hug them. All the non-huggers are freaking out right now. You can be seated. Man, I, I don't even know what to say, man. This place is ridiculous. Like, y'all are too. You're like a big-headed toddler is what y'all are. You know those toddlers that people think they're five years old and they, they can't talk, and you're like, no, my son's too. I have one of those. He's just huge. We go places, he'd be like, blah, 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 blah. People are like, what's wrong with your son? I'm like, hey, just, he's big bodied. Just leave him alone. <laughs> Y'all like a big bodied two year old. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Pastor, this place is crazy. I love it. You know, I love it because, <clears throat> I love it because you're crazy. I love it because you're crazy, but I also love it because it's diverse. There's every tribe and nation and tongue. Can, I'm gonna tell y'all a secret. So I pastored. A really, really diverse church. And what's funny is people that don't know, they ask you. There's like, so what's the percentage of your church? <laughs> like, is it 50-50? I'm like, no. I'm like, what do you mean by that? It's like, was it 50% white, 50% black? I was like, mm. <laughs> you forgetting some other hues. <laughs> dang, dang, just two. There's some more hues. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the Mexicans. I'm like, hey, don't you call a Puerto Rican a Mexican. <laughs> they get, they'll cut you with something. They get mad. The Venezuelans and, and all the Mexicans are back there going, yeah, but you had to come to us to get here, Vato. So, hey, <laughs> hey, aren't you glad that we have a church that everybody can come to? I love that. The first, time, the first time that I ever heard you, I didn't know who you were. You were leading worship um, at this big conference. I think it was at Lakewood. You were lead, leading worship at this conference, and you were singing, and it was awesome. You did what you just did, and I was just like, why do some people have all the talent? I just like, <laughs> in the beginning, God gave Jabin all the talent. Thanks. <laughs> Full on. And then, and then, like, in the little praise break moment, he stops for a minute, and he starts, ah, he starts preaching. I'm like, no, you were like a, like, a, like a big old black bishop in a Chicano body. I mean, I just, I didn't even know what to do with it. Playing a little kibasa and a tambourine and doing a little dance. I didn't know what was happening. I was just like, I, 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 just, I need to go home and take a nap. I love this dude. I love, I love Pastor Jabin and Shannon Chavez. I love you. I love you. And he also, he also said something when he first preached at our church, he just burned the room down. And in, in the middle of it, you said, uh, I'm the sexy Mexi. And I thought that was the awesomest, coolest thing I've ever heard. I don't know if you've told your church that or not. You haven't. I'm, my bad. That's your, that's your road tricks, ain't it? That's what that is. <laughs> don't you call him the sexy Mexi. He could call himself that. Um, I honor you guys, man. <laughs> if you've never heard me before, I apologize in advance. Dude, I'm, I'm so fired up, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm just going to talk to you all for a minute. This reminds me, so, like when I walked in the back door, we started in a theater just like this, and it reminds me so much of what happened in those early years and just the explosive move of God that was happening, and it's being stewarded and managed by both of you so well, so well. Such great leadership. You know what he did the whole time? He talked about the team. He talked about you. He talked about what God was doing through you. He talked about weaknesses in leadership and areas that he needs to, we, I need to do this and I need to do that. He, he never told me how amazing it was. He just told me how awesome you were, but didn't tell me how incredible your leadership is. Both of you are doing a great, great job. Have you ever been a, have you ever been a senior pastor before? You ever been a lead pastor before? No, no, no. So you two as well. You a two-year-old senior pastor. You killing it for a big toddler is what you're doing, bro. Hey, I, I'm a five-year-old. Come on, somebody. 
I'm a five-year-old senior pastor, and I don't do this. I don't, I don't, and I don't know if, I hope we're not, maybe we're streaming. I don't know if we're streaming. I'm not telling you to cut it off or not. Okay, we're not good. Because I don't, I don't, I rarely do this, but I don't feel what I feel right now everywhere that I go. In fact, I don't know that I've ever felt what I feel right now anywhere else. And all I'm going to tell you is you're on a powder keg, and, and you need to lean in to what God wants to do with you. If you're in the room, you're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. You're not here by, oh, my friend invited me. No, no, no. God has called you because he's, he's awakening something in the desert. There's going to be a, a deluge in the desert if you'll allow God to flow through you. And I'm not, I'm not just trying to hype you up. Trust me. I know what it looks like to manage a move of God and be on the inside of something that you can't explain. And that's what I felt just a while ago in here. When we started Hope City, I'm, I, listen, I'll get to my notes at some point, but when we, when we started Hope City, I had no idea. We just went all in. We just, we just poured everything that we had. We just went all in into this dream that God had. And we, we planted this church in 2015. I had no idea if anybody was going to show up. In fact, 15 minutes before our first service on uh, January the 25th in 2015, I was right over here behind the curtains, the stage just like this. And I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to see if anybody's there. Because she was nervous. She was like, do you think we, we sunk $350,000 in this thing? We, we had done, we had given everything we had to make it work. And she, she was like, is anybody there? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to go look. I did this right here. It's 15 minutes till church. There's four people. I went back. She was like, is there anybody there? I was like, well, there's four people. She's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. I was like, where's your faith? And then what was funny is the four were sitting right in the front row. I was like, well, at least they all in. They just, they ready. They ready. They just, ah, ah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to preach like it's 4,000. I'm going to preach to them four. I'm going to spit all over them. They splash them. And get the anointed spit all over him. <laughs> 15 minutes later, the whole room was slammed because Houston comes to church late, okay? They just come to church late. And it was amazing. And what, what happened then is this reminds me, bro. You know, you preached there. It reminds me. And since then, in five years, our church just celebrated five years. Two weeks ago, we've seen 38,000 people give their lives to Jesus. In five years. So buckle your seatbelt, city lights. God brought me here on your two-year anniversary to show you what to look forward to. He brought me here to tell you, don't sit on this. Get ready because God's in the big middle of this and he's brought you here so that he can use you. Vegas needs a revival. Kind of hurt my throat. You can sit down. Here's what I feel led to tell you. I believe that you are on the threshold of a promise. You're on the threshold of a promise. Threshold literally means like the dividing point between one place and another. And you have to decide which side you're going to be on. Whether you're going to camp out on this side or whether you're going to go all in and just get across the threshold and go where God has called you to go. How, how many of y'all raised, uh, raised by a strict parent? Just raise your hand. Come on, look at you and you're in church. Let me, let me, let me change the question. How many of y'all got spankings as a kid? Anybody get spankings? Look, you can't get mad because you're in church right now. Your mama spanked you. I never got spankings as a kid. I didn't get spankings. I got whoopings. Boys from Texas, that's the Texas size version of a spanking. A spanking's like, ow, ow, ow. A whooping, you can't feel your legs. You know what I mean? For like, from the waist down, you're just numb for a week. You know what I mean? Like, and your dad, like you knew, like you knew, how many of y'all, you knew where the line was with your dad? Like if your dad looked at you, he was like, hey. Yes, sir. He ain't got to say anything. My dad could just look at me. He could be like. And he looked calm, but he was saying, you're going to die. And I'd be like, hey, 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 dad said we better quit. Dad didn't say nothing. Look at him. Oh, he said, he said we better quit. 
you knew if dad was like, hey, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. But mama, you never knew. How many of y'all had a crazy mama? You know, she ain't here. She was crazy, wasn't she? Some of y'all are scared right now. You're like, she might be here. My mother, like, you look at her one day, you're like, oh, <laughs> whatever, mom. She's like, I know, whatever. And the next day, you're like, whatever. She's like, bam, don't ever say whatever to me. How many of y'all, your mama could talk through, your mama could talk full, complete sentences through clenched teeth. You could understand everything what she was saying. You standing beside your friend. He's like, what'd she say? She said, I'm going to die. And if you keep standing here, you're going to die too. We're going to die together. My, my, dad, my dad used to say this. He would say, he would say, right before we were going somewhere, me and my brother would just be acting a fool. He'd say, hey, if you don't straighten up, anybody's dad ever say that? You don't straighten up. Did anybody ever get beat because you did this? <laughs> Me. He'd say, if you don't straighten up and fly right, I don't even know what that meant. You want me to be a pilot? I don't even know what, that, what he's talking about. If you don't straighten up and fly right, we're not going to go do whatever it was that he had planned for us to do. What he was saying is, my blessing is dependent upon your obedience. I have something great that I want to walk you into, but how you respond to my word will depend on whether or not I can give you what I want to give you. Now notice, it did not change my sonship. I didn't stop being a son. He didn't kick me out of the house. I still had a place to lay my head. And this is exactly where some of us are. We're saved, but not set free. Going to heaven, but walking through hell to get there. And that's not God's plan for your life. If you'll walk in the obedience and say, okay, I'm ready to go in to what you have for me. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Dude, I just feel like preaching. I just, this place has got to preach on me. It's got to preach. <laughs> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you choose. Turn to somebody else and say, you decide. You get to decide whether you're going to walk into the plan that God has for you or not. I travel a lot. And, uh, and, and a few years ago, I was uh, going to preach a conference. Uh, um, I had preached on Sunday morning. It was kind of like this. And I was flying out and I was preaching that night. And I was standing there in the TSA line, and I was just like, I was just, I was like, all right, it's a long line. All right, okay, God. All right, I got, got somewhere to be. I got to go preach, and uh, it's a long line, so I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go get the, the little TSA massage, and then we'll get on my way. And there's this lady in the little blue shirt and the little black pants. She just looked real fierce, and she looked right back towards the big line, and she said, hey, you, sir, come here. Somebody in trouble. <laughs> and then I looked, she was looking at me. She was like, you, in the black jacket. I was like. Every, and everybody else was like, yeah, she's talking to you. <laughs> That's you, bro. I was like, no, me, not me. She was like, come here right now. I was like, but I ain't got nothing. I ain't got no bombs except these Holy Ghost bombs I'm be dropping later at this conference. But. And I was scared. I was like, I, like, I don't know what I did. Like, I, I don't know. And as I got closer, like, I got right up to her. She was just looking, just glaring at me. And I got right closer. She said, Pastor, I didn't want you to have to stand in the line. I was, I was like, ah, daughter of the Lord. You are blessed and highly favored. She was like, come on through. Come on right through this line right here. I said, hey, can I pray with you about anything? Just don't keep it long. Your boy got a job to do. I had favor I didn't know I had I had access because of a relationship that I was not even using because I didn't even know I had it. Some of you, God is saying, come on. And you're saying, no, no, no. Can you just let me stay in, back here in line? God's saying, listen, I'm not trying to get you out of line to get you in trouble. I'm trying to get you out of line to move you through an obstacle that everybody else has got to wait on because I want to take you somewhere that you can't go by yourself. That's what City Light is all about. 
taken you somewhere that you can't go by yourself. And God has called two powerhouse prayer warrior leaders who have prayed and who have fasted and who have given up. Listen, this man could, he was doing fine. They were doing fine before the, before the church. Just If you don't know that, they were doing fine. They were traveling all over the world, preaching to the biggest churches. I didn't even know if I could get you the first time that you came to preach. I got excited. I was like, oh, y'all, Javen Chavez has come. This man preaches at Hillsong. He preaches everywhere. Preaches in heaven, and he's coming to preach at Hope City. <laughs> and, and they said, okay, we're going all in. So when he asks you to go all in, it's not something he hasn't already done and followed the voice of God and, and sacrificed things to do what God has called. And I love that this church is, is ready to do this. Let me get to my sermon. Just calm down. Joshua chapter 1. Moses has just died. Here's the context. He's the last of the previous generation. It's, it's Joshua and Caleb, and that's it. And he tells, he tells the people something that they've never heard. It's a younger generation. And I love that the Lord laid this on my heart to preach. I didn't realize how young this church was. I love it. In fact, if you got gray hair in here, you're over 45. We need you because this church needs pillars in this church. So thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here. You're called to be here. I know the music might get a little loud if you're 50 plus. Just bring your earplugs and bob your head like that because we need you in this church. Because there was not an older generation here. Everybody was young. And, and, and Joshua says something to them because they've been stuck for a long time. Some of y'all have been stuck. How many of y'all ever been stuck before? Some of you so stuck you can't even raise your hand. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1. Then Joshua issued instructions to the leaders of Israel to tell the people to get ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. We're going to cross the Jordan River, and in three days we will go across, we will conquer, and we will live in the land which God has given us. Well, if he's given it to us, why do we have to cross stuff? Why do we have to conquer before we can live? Because God will never give you anything that costs you nothing. Because you won't appreciate what is given to you. you. Just study lottery winners. They get broke real fast. Sometimes I can, oh, I got church mother right over there. I heard you. All right now. Now I feel like I'm at home. God is doing something new with this generation, just like he's doing something new with you. Do you realize that it's not just lost people who are coming to this church and getting fired up? There are churches and pastors watching what God is doing at City Light because you're setting a standard. God's doing something new through you. God loves to do, look, he loves new things. Revelations 21 and 5. I love this verse of scripture. It says, the one seated on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. Then he said, write this down for these words are faithful and true. I like it for two reasons. Number one, because it kind of rhymes. It makes God sound like an MC. Behold, I make all things new. Write this down. These words are faithful and true. I just like it. It's written by John the Revelator. Little John the Revelator. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> All right, okay, Calm, guys. <laughs> White people are like, who? All right, never, okay, guys. <laughs> I feel like I'm at home. If I offended you, I'm sorry. The real preacher will be back next week. The other reason I love this is because God is saying in the last chapter, in the last book of the Bible, hey, all that stuff that I've done, I'm going to do something brand new. So buckle your seatbelt. God loves to do new things. Have you ever even thought about Jesus' first miracle? You thought about how dumb that miracle was? Ah, no offense. It was just kind of a... Like he turned, his first miracle, like he, nobody really knows who he is. Only a few people know. He hasn't been revealed yet. It's not even his time. And he turns water into wine. Padunks. Like if it's going to be my first miracle, I'm going to walk on some water. I'm going to raise some dead people and be like, what's up? Mic drop and walk off into the desert for 40 days or something. Weird. But Jesus is at a, he's at a wedding with his mom because apparently he hangs out with his mom. And he's got some of the disciples with him. And his mother freaks out. She's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. She's like, are you praying or what, mama? What's going on? She says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I studied it. Like, the worst thing that could happen is the bride's family could sue the groom's family according to Jewish law. But it really is just an embarrassing moment. And Mary is worried about the embarrassment. Oh, Jesus, they've run out of wine. you got to do something. Jesus goes, woman. Now, that's the first difference between me and Jesus. 
Thus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was very different than Paula, the mother of Jeremy. Because if I was the son of God and I looked at my mom and said, woman, she'd be like, Father God, you better get your boy. I'm going to kill him right now. You're going to have to raise him twice. I ain't playing with you, Jesus. <laughs> and then she doesn't say anything else to him. She just turns around. She's like, okay. She turns around. She walks over to the servant. She says, you see him right there? Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Jesus is like, mama, please. Jesus tells, he tells the, the servants, he says, listen, go get the ceremonial water pots, fill them up with water. These are kind of the dirty cisterns that sit at the, at the door. And most theologians believe that, that people wash their hands. Some believe they wash their hands and feet. Some believe they wash their hands, their feet, and their heads in these pots. They're just not the ones that you would use. And Jesus says, take that and then get some water out of that and take it to the governor of the feast and give it to him to drink. You got to know that servant was like, okay. <laughs> but he did it. And when he gets it to the, I mean, when he gets it to the governor of the feast, the governor of the feast is like, wow, you guys are wild, bro. This party is lit. I, I don't even know what that means, but I'm too old. This, this is crazy. Like most people say, like they, they saved a junkie wine. They saved a Colt 45 till last, but you guys have saved the best wine for last. This is awesome. And like, this is kind of a dumb miracle. It's like water into wine. Like it's not really a big deal. It was like the lady who was driving along on the interstate and she had a, a bottle of wine and she was just kind of weaving and the state trooper pulled her over and he was like, uh, excuse me, um, what, what's, that, uh, what's that there in your hand? She goes, this is just some water. He said, well, let me, he said, let me see it. She said, okay. She gave it to me. He poured a little bit out. He smelled it. He was like, ma'am, this is very obviously wine. She said, ah, oh, Jesus, did it again, Ossifer. He did it again. That's not even... That's not even in my, I don't even, that's, that's not even a part of my sermon. I, some of y'all never take notes. You're like, I'm writing that down. That's a good joke. <laughs> it's just kind of a, like he turned water into wine. Big deal. Until you look and you realize that this miracle foreshadowed his entire purpose. Because he took the old, dirty, water pots at the door that nobody would ever say hey go we're going to drink out of them nobody would ever use them in fact they were relegated to ceremonial cleansing of the dirty things and Jesus said go get the dirty things I'm going to use the dirty things to do something amazing I'm going to take the things that are broken and I'm going to make something beautiful out of them don't tell me that you've gone too far or you've done too much if God's got you in the room that means he wants to use you you're here for a purpose and a reason you don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the God I serve. You keep making mistakes. He keeps making mercy. Lamentation says his mercy is new every morning. Great is thy faithful. I feel like I'm at home right now, brother. God loves to make things new. He loves to take things that are used and make them new. He refurbishes better than Apple. He's just just knows what he's doing. New hearts and new minds and new creation. In fact, Psalm 96 one says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Listen, listen. I, look, hey, I'm country. Okay? Y'all can probably tell. I even, I, my daughter bought me some lace-up boots. She was like, Dad, you gotta get something other than cowboy boots. So I wore some lace-up. I don't even understand these boots right here. Because they lace and they zip. I don't understand them. I'm not very cool. I like country music, and I don't like to, I, Wait, now hang on. Time out. Time out, kids. Because I need to, I need to, uh, I need to define what country means to some of y'all. New country ain't country. That's, that's just music. Merle Haggard. George, George Strait. Can I get an amen? Twin fiddles. Come on, somebody. Like, Keith Whitley, they, they don't even know Conway Twitty. Somebody just don't know. I like the old music, mostly because I know the words. It's funny. Music is funny. Like I can, like I, y'all don't even know what song we're getting ready to sing, but I can start it and you can finish it. You, maybe you don't even know who wrote it, but you just know the song. Whoa, we're halfway there. 
so good. Give yourselves a hand. That was beautiful. That was... Sweet Caroline. Good times never look so good. And that's the club version, so we know where y'all been, all right? We like old songs. And this is why some of us are in old habits. Because the word clearly says sing a new song, but some of us are singing an old song, living an old life, and God's asking you to cross the threshold, go all in, and do a new thing. That's why, listen, hey, let me make it real practical. Some of us need to get in a group. Pastor's been up here preaching until he's just sweating, got a handkerchief. He would keep, sometimes just put a, you use a towel. You're like a bishop. Just put, just. I love y'all get in the group. Ah, he starts singing. He just wants you to get in the group. He wants you to take the next steps. Of course, I just, I need you. I want you to take the next steps. Why? Why, why do you think he wants you to take the next steps course? The name tells you why. I want you to move forward. I want you to take the next step because some of us have been sitting back here pondering and God sent a Texas preacher to say it's time to take the next step. It's time to get on the serve team. It's time to join on the missions team. It's time to get in a group. It's time to help somebody. It's time. I know, I know, I know. I'm excited. I'm fired up. I'm screaming a little bit, spitting all. I apologize. We need windshield wipers on this road right down here. We get stuck on the old sometimes. Listen, the way you've been doing it, how's that working for you? It, it really wasn't that good, y'all. Y'all were like, wow. I was like, it really wasn't that good. But, yeah, if you can't preach here, bro, you just need to quit. Like, you can't preach anywhere. <laughs> I'm like, take the next step. I'm like, yo, go ahead, amen. I just want to take some of y'all home to Houston. <laughs> I wouldn't even have to study. I'd just get up here and talk for a minute. And that's funny right there. You know. <laughs> that man studies 25 hours a week, and that's the truth. This is why Joshua is talking to the, the children of Israel, because they've been stuck for so long on an old mindset. God set them free radically. How many of you have been set free? You got set free from something. God delivered you from something. And listen, you know how awesome God is? They had been hundreds of years in captivity and, and when they left, God made the Egyptians, God literally turned the Egyptians' hearts towards them and they gave them gold and silver and all their precious metals whenever they walked out, which tells me God won't just set you free. He'll make the enemy finance your freedom and you can walk out free. But listen, look at me. There's a lot of people in here with addictive behavior. And when God delivers you from something, He always delivers you to something. Just because you got saved doesn't mean you're set free. At some point, I've got to walk into the thing and I've got to get addicted to the thing that God has called me to get addicted to. For me, it's serving people. It's loving people. It's watching people give their lives to Jesus. It's watching people go down in the waters of baptism and come up just crazy, wild, set free. I love that. It's coming to a church like this. Dude, I love this place. I love it. I, I, I'd come here every Sunday night. I love this place. I, listen, if you're, here, if you're here for the first time, you need to be here every time the doors are open. You need to have a row full of people with you. We got another campus. How far is that campus from here? 20 minutes. We ought to blow the doors off of that campus because you got five more coming. Just mark my word. Get ready. It's going to happen. I really, I really didn't think about that before I said it. Five. Just, just get ready. Don't, don't get comfortable. Change is inevitable. It's inevitable. You're going to change. Change is inevitable, but progress is optional. You have to decide whether you're going to walk forward or not. Some of us have been on a treadmill of life, a whole lot of action and no progress. Step off the treadmill. Let's go somewhere. Let's go where God has called us. That's why we're called City Light, because we want to bring the light to a city that's in darkness that needs Jesus. Man, I, you, I, you could preach anything at this church. Some of us are so stuck on provision. That's what happened to that generation. They got stuck on provision. 
and never walked into promise. God will provide. He loves you. He'll provide, but you won't live in blessings. I have a bunch of kids. I have a lot of kids. Um, I have five uh, biological kids and a plus one, so I got six. So Christmas around my house is crazy, and road trips are slow. How many, how many, how many uh, dads out there? We got dads out there. When you go on a road trip, what do you do? You find out what Google Maps says, what Apple Maps says, and what Waze says, and you're like, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat that time. I'm going to beat that time. And my kids are in the back just going, he ain't going to beat that time. We're going to make him stop every time. We're like, well, let's all use the bathroom at different times. So let's not have to go at the same time. So a few years ago, She's seven now, but my daughter was, my, one of my daughters was three at the time, and we stopped at this gas station because some of the kids had to use the bathroom, and so we make them all go in. We're like, all of y'all going to go. I don't have to go. You're going to go try right now in the name of Jesus. And so I took her in. I was just running some energy out. She was running around, just, ah, just running around the gas station. And as we walked out, I noticed that she, uh, she had something in her hand that she didn't have when we went in. <clears throat> so... My daughter had a spirit of shoplifting on her, and uh, so I was already a little hurt and frustrated, like, what did I do wrong? She's just like your mom, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not streaming this, so. I love you, Jennifer. Um, but then I looked down and realized what it was. <laughs> it was potted meat. She had, uh, she had, she had shoplifted Spam. I was like, look, hey, if you're going to steal, steal a Butterfingers or some Snickers or some M&M's or something. I was so mad. I don't know why I was mad at that, too. I was mad at that, too. And then as I was leaving, the Lord said, you do the same thing. He said, you walk through life holding hands with the one who can give you anything and you just grab whatever's available in your reach. Why, why are you settling for potted meat when God's got prime rib if you'll just wait on him and let him do what he wants to do in you? Listen, there's three things, three things that you got to do if we're going to go where God has called us to go as a church. That we're two years old and two, it, two has two meanings in the scripture. It can mean unity or it can mean division. And I think that City Light has decided that it's going to mean unity. And where two or three agree together, we're going to see some awesome things happen. So here's some things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I need you to understand this. This won't be easy. This won't be easy. But it'll be good. It's not easy having a portable church. you got a load-in team that has to load stuff in. And like if you come here on Mondays, they won't let you on the property because it's a school. You'd be like, why are you here? Be like, I was coming for church. Mm -mm. No, 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 get out. <laughs> it's hard. We got a load-in team who comes. I don't know what y'all call them. We call ours load-in and load-out. We call them the Lilo fam. They make shirts, literally Lilo fam. They do Christmas together. It's weird. Um, but they load in. We have five campuses, and, and all of our campuses are portable. We got 32 trailers, and they pull them up, and they, they load them in. They load them out. And, and it's hard. It's hard doing portable church. It's hard having vision for your family. It's hard staying married. Some of y'all are like. I didn't, I didn't say amen, baby. I love you. <laughs> Anything worth having, you got to fight to get. Gotta fight. This book never promises that it'll be easy. Well, I thought when I gave my life to Jesus that it would all be roses and butterflies. Well, you thought wrong. Jesus didn't even say that. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, period. How many of y'all love the promises of God? I just love the promises of God. Well, that's one. In this world, you'll have trouble, but nobody's making a bracelet out of it, are they? Like, hey, y'all pick up your in this world, it's going to be hard bracelets on the way out. Nope. <laughs> Nobody has a picture of an eagle. Over their dining room table says, this life is hard. Jesus, you know what I mean? So, it's going to be hard. But he said, take heart. I've overcome the world. What does that mean? It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good because God is with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Look at what the Lord's done in two years. And this ain't everybody in your church. No, no, listen to me. This ain't everybody in your church. Look around, please. Just turn around. Turn around. Look around. 
can mm, y'all don't even know what you have. Come here, kids. Let dad tell you something. Y'all come here. Come here. Daddy loves you. Come here. I've never said stupid stuff like this ever. I don't know. This is my last time here, guys. This is going to be fun. Let's... Can I tell you this? It just, can I just can I walk around? All right, cool. If, if all we had, if all we had by year two was just to this row right here, what's up? How you doing? What's your name? Tamaya. Tamaya. Well, you were going to give me a, a right-handed five, and you were like, nope, left-handed. All right. <laughs> if all we had was this row, look, look at me. Listen, I'm trying to tell you something. What's up, cameraman? Look at you, just rocking your game. Trying to, he's like, focus, focus. <laughs> if all we had was to hear by year two, y'all would be killing it. I have, can, no, no, listen, I talk to pastors and church planters all the time. We, every weekend we have church planters that come to our church. Every weekend they come and they do campus tours. Every weekend. And I talk to these guys who've planted a church and they've been, they've been working and they've loved Jesus and they've been pouring their life into a church and they've been going five years and they've got 200 people. And I honor them and I love them and we pat them on the back and we give them everything that we can give them and we pray for them. And I don't know why God hasn't poured out on them what he's poured out on you, but you better steward it well because God's poured something extra on City Light. And, and let me tell you, what we got going on back, this, this, these are the people that came to church late and we love y'all. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm unifying. I mean, y'all came through the second door. You, these are actually the best seats in the house right here. And you kind of hurt your legs, so that's a good place for you to sit. Some of y'all are like, is he a real preacher? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is God has called you to something amazing, and I just, I just want you to see it. I just want you to see it. It's not going to be easy, but God didn't call you to easy. Second point, I only got three. You can't stay here. No, no, for real. Like, tonight we have to leave. They have school tomorrow. I love that you have one portable campus and one that was given to you. That won't be the last one. But if I can't stay here, what does that mean? That means somebody's got to give. So that we can go where God is calling us to go. Somebody's got to dig deep. So now, now here, let me tell you this. Whenever a pastor starts talking about money, it always gets a little tight. Do you know why it gets a little tight? Because money is tied to your heart. <laughs> in, in the Bible, pray or prayer is talked about in the New Testament more than 200 times. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, which word am I looking for? Pray or prayer. Love, I've preached 18 times this weekend. Love is, is mentioned over 380 times, but give is mentioned over 1,000 times. Why? Because it's tied to your heart. That's why you ought to give. Because it just shows you where your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you love something, you give to it. Husband, say amen. You know Remember when you fell in love, you're like, hey, let's go to that nice steak restaurant. Bounced a check, didn't even care. <laughs> and next week she was like, hey, let's go back there. You're like, no, nah, let's not go back there. Knowing your check was up there behind the cash register. They, they're looking for you. Listen, if, if we can't stay here, it's going to take people contributing and people giving. And here's what I know. If you have a church this strong, there are people here who are sold out and who are giving. And I commend you. I thank you. I'm telling you, God bless you. Can we give the givers a great big hand? But there's still some of us. There's still some of us. It's time for you to jump on board. It's time for you to go all in. It's time for you to give. It's time for you to start serving. And if it frustrates you, listen, if it, if it gets you a little frustrated, you're like, I like this preacher until he started talking about money. You have a heart problem. Yeah. 
and I love you, but I wouldn't be a good preacher, a good pastor if I didn't tell you that God is actually calling some of you. He's speaking to you to dig deep and to give and say, all right, God, I'm trusting you. I promise you this. When you give to the kingdom of God, you cannot outgive God. He will always bless you. So true. We can't stay here. We can't stay where we are. Just because this is where I am doesn't mean this is where I'm going to stay. I've got to go where God has called me to go. I've got to, and I, I don't want to get distracted. The enemy's going to try to distract you. It's two. We're two. This is the year of unity. Unity. Just be aware when it happens. Just remember, hey, remember that preacher when he said, hey, the attitude that you have right now, remember, remember that preacher? Remember when he said that? Remember how you're talking, you're talking about the ministries and you're talking about the things we're doing. You're talking about why you don't have a singing part mostly because you can't sing. But just let's be unified. Let's not get distracted. Have you ever, I know, I know in a city like this, you ever got stuck in traffic? In Houston, we have 7.2 million people in greater Houston and we get stuck in traffic all the time. Have you ever got stuck in traffic and you get real frustrated and you're all like, go, go. And then you see blue lights up ahead and you see red lights and then you kind of feel bad and you're like, oh, I hope it's somebody that I know. God bless, you know, kind of thing. And then as, as you get up close, you realize it ain't even on your side of the interstate. It's on the other side of the interstate, but all the morons in front of you are slowing down going, honey, wonderful know who it is. And you're like, go! And then you get up there and you're like, hey, I wonder if I know who it is. <laughs> Never underestimate your ability to be distracted by things that don't matter, by things that are not in your lane. Let's go where God has called us to go. Let's keep moving forward. Let's do what God has called us to do. And finally, Number three, I want you to remember, you have a promise. This church has a promise. Before, before you ever came here, God placed a promise in Pastor Jabin and Shannon. And he said, I'm going to use you to do something amazing. Y'all could have just kept doing what you were doing and been comfortable and traveled all over the world. But you say, you know what, we want to sink roots in a city. I remember you talking to me about this, saying, I love that city. I just, I, I just God's drawn me to that city. And you would weep, y'all would weep over this city, still do. Look what the Lord has done. Can we celebrate just a minute what the Lord has done in two years? And this, hey, can I tell you this, City Light? This is the floor. This is not the ceiling. This is just the beginning of what God's going to do. This is the beginning. It's going to be your friends and your family. So, Y'all come, come play a little altar music. Come, come play a little music that'll make them think I'm quitting. Deuteronomy 4.29 says this. But if from there you seek the Lord, your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. What does that mean? I love that verse of scripture and here's why. Because any excuse that you can make, this verse of scripture overrides it. But you don't understand where I've been. There. If from there. But you don't understand the sin I'm in. Yeah, right there. If from there you seek the Lord. But you don't understand all the mistakes I've made. I know, but from there. If from there you seek the Lord, you will find him. How? If I go all in. And so there's a bunch of you here that have different decisions to make. Some of you tonight, the decision is I've got to go all in and yield my life to Jesus. Others of you, I've got to go all in and I've got to take the step and I've got to, I've got to publicly declare my faith and tonight I'm going to be baptized. And there's a whole bunch of you. Here's what I believe. I believe that whole rows of people are going to get baptized. I believe that husbands and wives are going to say, hey, let's start this decade right. I believe that friends are going to elbow their way out and say, I'm ready to be baptized. Some of you, it's time. It's time to take the next steps course. It's time to get in a group. It's time to get on the serve team. God's called us to change the world. And he uses people to do it. And you haven't disqualified yourself. Here's a word for you. You haven't disqualified yourself. You've only qualified yourself with your failure. 
when I fail, what does that mean? I desperately need Jesus. And then I want you to take that step. So what are you going to do? You just got to take the step. God calls the children of Israel. His first thing is they've got to cross the Jordan. Then they've got a promised land right across the Jordan, but the first thing they have to do is get across the Jordan, which is the hardest part, actually. Because it's normally 180 feet wide. At flood season, it's three times that. It normally flows at about four miles per hour. At flood season, it's about 12 miles per hour. And God's like, hey, I know it's flood season. It's time. Because sometimes God calls you to do some of the hardest things during the hardest things in your life. During the hardest seasons in your life. Why does God call me to do the hardest things during the hardest seasons? Because He loves miracles. He loves it whenever you rely on Him. And you, you, when, you, when you rest on His promise, you'll never break His promises by leaning on Him. You just give Him an opportunity to fulfill them. And here's what they did. Here's what, this is important. Here's what they did. They took the ark on their shoulders, the priests. And the priests went first. What does that mean? Worship went first. Submission took the first step. Yielding holy to God took the first step. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to go for it. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust you. I can't doubt him because I know too much about him. At some point you just go, yeah, but I've tried to step before, and that's the problem. You tried, you tried to step. You didn't follow God. And when the priest stepped, the water stopped. I wonder what raging river God is waiting on you to step in so that he can stop it and show you his glory. It's just going to take you taking a step. And I know you might say, but you don't understand. I don't have very much. You, you don't understand. I just, I, I don't. I can't do like Pastor Javen does. I, man, there's so much I want to tell you guys. I want to come back. Can I come back? I just invited myself back. I love y'all. I don't know what you've been through, but I know that there's somebody waiting on you to conquer something. did a series in our church a few years ago we were telling stories of life change I got a letter from a lady and I want to read it to you she said my mother was a single mom and life wasn't easy growing up but we loved one another dearly she worked like a dog with only an 8th grade education to support 4 little girls and never got any child support I knew she loved me but there were always habits and addictions lurking in her life that continually knocked her off course at the age of 11, my world fell apart. My mother divorced her third husband. I was heartbroken and devastated because he was the only man that I'd ever called daddy. My biological father had abandoned us when I was little and now another daddy was leaving. Our lives spun out of control as mom fell deeper into addiction. We moved from Texas to Oklahoma and it was a life-altering move. We were closer to my grandmother and she began to take me to her church. Thank God for the church. She said, I'd never felt anything like this. I remember walking down that long aisle and kneeling down at the front and giving my heart to Jesus. And it was a profound moment of realization in my life that there really was a love that wouldn't leave. And that's the moment that God truly became my father. I didn't realize then how much I'd need that protecting and loving hand of my new father. I lived through verbal, mental, physical, and emotional abuse constantly. Somehow my conversion to Christ had caused my mother to feel guilty. It was hard for her to take that I had found a real love and the abuse got worse. She married again and in that marriage we became a blended family and I acquired two stepbrothers. The marriage didn't last long but during that time I was able to lead my two stepbrothers to Christ. Mother got hooked on prescription drugs and became even more abusive. I know what it is for my own mother to pull out a loaded 45 and hold it against my temple and scream, I'm gonna blow your brains out. As an eighth grader, it was horrible to go through. I ran next door and shook as the neighbors called the police. The judge committed my mom to a state mental hospital for six months. My three sisters and I lived with our grandmother. And those were some of the greatest moments of my childhood because she took us to church. When mama got out of the institution, we went home with her, but she was angry and bitter and slipped right back into the drug habit. And there were different men coming in, out of, in and out of our home every week. 
She quickly divorced husbands five and six and continued the lifestyle of drugs and abuse. She'd grab me by the hair of the head and knock me into door facings and sling me into the coffee table, screaming and cussing. I struggled not to believe the things that she would say about me. Spankings were beating. She could backhand you quicker than you could blink, but through it all, I knew that God had a purpose for my life. I was so desperate for God that I'd ride to church with anyone who would take me. One particular man and his family would come and pick me up. And I remember riding in the back of a pickup truck for 60 miles round trip just to get into the presence of God. Mama got worse. I remember her storming into church one morning and screaming for us to get up and get out of there. I threw my hands up in embarrassment and I finally told her, that's it, I'm quitting church. She stopped. Her eyes cleared up and in a soft, sober voice she said, please don't quit going to church. I'm miserable and I don't want you to turn out like me. After I graduated from high school, my mother married husbands seven, eight, and nine. But my life has taken a different path. And when I walked into Hope City, I felt that same presence of God that I felt as an 11-year-old girl desperate for love and acceptance. Thank you for providing a place where people can find healing, hope, and happiness. My story has a happy ending. A year and a half before Mama died, with tears in her eyes, she gave her heart to Jesus. And I thank God every day for churches like this who reach hurting people. It's because of a church like this that an 11-year-old girl gave her heart to Jesus and I've never looked back. Keep on doing what you're doing. It's saving lives stand with me <laughs> I love that letter I loved it the moment I read it because I knew immediately who it was from <laughs> this is my mama my mama wrote this letter and because my mother conquered pain and heartache and shame and suffering and overcame some things, here I am. Because a man by the name of Chris Peters, who I never met because he's dead and gone, He's never been lauded and applauded. He's never been a hero. All he had was a truck. But he drove 30 miles to pick my mama up. And then he drove back. He's not a hero. But because of Chris Peters, I'm standing on a stage shouting about the freedom and the hope and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me that you've got nothing in the hands of Jesus is the raw material for everything it's God who stepped out on the edge of nothing spoke to darkness reached his hand where there was no door grabbed a doorknob that doesn't exist and made a way where there is no way so don't tell me that God is not able to take something broken and make it beautiful if you will go all in and place your life in his hands he'll blow you away with what he's able to do shout 